Blog Talk Radio. Hello and happy Friday. My name is Posse Upadike and I am the host of the Daring Podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode because we're talking about marathon tips and training, the mom edition. Yay! And, you know, today's Thursday, I mean, today's Friday. <laughs> November 8th, and, you know, the weekend's coming. There's so much that's been going on. I want to thank everybody for signing up and enrolling in our Hair Yum Hair Growth class. It's online, and so many people have signed up. We did a little training tutorial to answer any of the questions that people had, and it was just really, really great. So, again, it's at hairyum.com, our online healthy hair growth class. Okay, so let's get started. Have you ever wanted to run a 26.2 miles, a marathon? Okay, we are talking to Olu Fazemimo, and I'm sorry if I messed it up, but she's the president and CEO of Anaden Consulting and founder of Anaden Gives and four-time marathon runner, okay? Anaden Gives her company provides grant money to families struggling with fertility so their dreams of having a family can turn into reality. Olu was diagnosed with fibroids, benign tumors in the uterus in 2004, and eventually conceived her daughter with in vitro fertilization after two cycles and a miscarriage. Her fertility journey has been tough but rewarding She recently found out, guess what? She conceived naturally, and she ran. She just ran and completed the New York City Marathon. Wow, get this, guys, while pregnant. Okay, where's my applause? Yes, while pregnant. (laughs) She, She and her husband and daughter currently reside in Seattle. So come on, everyone. Tune in, grab a piece of paper and pencil, and you are going to learn so much. I can't wait. Let me connect her, and we are going to get started. Let me connect her. Hi, Alu. Hi. How are Welcome you? Welcome to the show. Now, fine. Say your last name again for everyone. <laughs> it's, it's okay, so I'm going to say the way Nigerians would, Fagbe Miro. Great, great. I love it. Okay, so let's get started. Now, tell us, how and why did you start running? So in 2007, um, I quit my job. This was um, in February of 2007. I quit my job, and I started my own consulting firm. So this meant that I was working from home, and I would be sitting at the desk uh, maybe a lot longer than the average person that gets up in the morning, goes to work, you know, has meetings, walks around the office. And I started thinking I don't have any other excuses. I am my own boss, and it would be a shame if all I did was walk to the fridge and ate all day, right? <laughs> so I, I've, I've run before, you know. Um, I've been dragged into a couple of 5Ks. And so I decided, you know, maybe I'll just get out there and start running. I really, my goal was really to be able to get to a 5K um, endurance level, and that's how I started. I just 
I just put my old shoes on and I went outside and ran. And ran. And just so our listeners know, Olu is an engineer. You know, she's educated, she's an engineer, and she has her own company. Now, for a lot of our guests have never run, a lot of our listeners want to run and are moms. Um, Can you tell us about Mm -hmm. your first marathon? Like, how did you find a training schedule? What is a training schedule? Um, Just talk about how you prepared to run your first marathon. So my first marathon was in June um, 2018, so June of last year, and it was here in Seattle. But the ironic thing is I actually signed up for my first marathon before I ever ran my first half marathon, which was in December of 2017. So I, I know some runners that actually their very first race um, was a marathon. They didn't even bother running a 5K, a 10K, a half, or a full marathon, right? Um, so it's, so when we talk about training for a marathon, it's, it's basically a series of um, runs that you do over a period of time that allows your body to gradually build endurance until you can run the full distance. And, in fact, during training, you don't actually run the full 26.2 miles. A lot of training plans only take you up to maybe 18 or 20 miles because on run, on race day, there is a lot of, um, what's the word, adrenaline, and the race crowd and the environment around you, the conditions actually help you get to the end of the race. So you don't have to train. You don't have to run 26.2 miles before you actually get out there and run your full marathon. Now, oh, so wow. for me, wow, uh, yes. Yes, so you don't, so, and it's similar to a lot of things in life, right? A lot of times, especially for women, we tend to think that, oh, in order for me to get that job, I have to have done all of the items they want the person that is able to deal with. I have to have done that already. It's not true, and a lot of men actually don't think that way, right? They just look at, you know, their abilities in other areas, and they go for it. It's the same thing with running a race. You don't have to run the full distance in order to start a race and finish it. Wow, amazing. So, okay, so now let's, yes, go ahead. So for me, for my training schedule, I consider myself a, quite a moderate runner because I only run three times a week. There are, many, there are many training schedules out there that may ask you to run four times or five times a week. For me, I run three times a week, and it's worked for me. That's the schedule that I have maintained since the day I decided that I would start running. And the reason why it works for me is because I wanted to pick a schedule. Being a mom, I wanted to pick a schedule that I could maintain. I didn't want the running lifestyle to be something I did just for two months, and then I stopped, right? So I figured if I can, I, I figured I could do three days a week, right? And then if anything came up with my daughter, I had four other, four other days to shift my running days to, right? And I think that's important for us to not feel as restricted within a very difficult training schedule. Now, again, I'm talking for those that are beginners that kind of want to get into it and want to ease into it. I think it, I'm saying this because 
it is possible for you to run a marathon and only run three days a week, which is what I've been doing. Um, Excellent. Okay, time is flying. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Time is flying, so I just want to get through a lot of questions. Okay, so talk about your four races that you ran. Okay, so you did New York. What else did you do? So my first race was here in Seattle. That was June 2018, last year. And then my second race, I decided to go international, so I ran in Paris um, this year in April. And then my third race, I was back in Seattle, and so I ran again in June, and then New York uh, in November. Wow, amazing. We are chatting (laughs) with Olu. She is a four-time, guys, a four-time marathon runner. Okay, I know people are going to ask for this. Okay, tell us where did you get your training plan, okay, and then what shoes do you use when running? We want to know the brand. How did you find out about the brand? So, Olu, take it away. Okay. All right, so um, I'll talk about the training schedule that I use, I use a running app, and I don't get paid to plug their name, but I use RunKeeper, and they have a paid version <laughs> called RunKeeper Go. Yeah, they have a paid version, which I switch on when I'm in training. This year, because I've technically just been in training all year, I have been on that RunKeeper Go uh, plan all year. But if you just have a specific plan, you pay for the period that you need it. And what it does is it asks you when your race is, and then he asks you how many days in the week you want to run, which specific days. And then he just tells you, and then he also asks you how long you want to, you think um, you would need to finish the race or how quickly you want to finish the race. And then he tells you exactly when to run, what to run, and how fast to run in order to reach your goal. So most of my training weeks look like this. They always start with a three-mile jog on Monday. And then on Wednesday, I would do a medium run, which is somewhere between five and seven miles, which sounds like a lot right now. You know, it wouldn't, you wouldn't start off running five miles as a beginner, <laughs> so I don't want to <laughs> terrify um, anyone. Um, and then if it's a long run week, it will have a longer run that you're sort of building up to at, as, a, as your third run. And then it just cycles you through that, you know, um, and it's simple. I, I like the I like the app because I don't have to think about it. It's right there on my phone. I click on it. It tells me what to do, and I just go. Now, um, for shoes, I'm not married to any brand. Nobody pays me to plug their brand. So um, <laughs> when I first when I first started running, I noticed my feet were hurting because I had these old shoes that, like I said, I just got up and went out. I pulled some shoes out of my closet and I went out. But then. The more I ran, the more I felt like my feet didn't feel great. So I went to a running store, and I tried all all the shoes they had available that I could try, and I ended up feeling good in the Brooks uh, Ghost, and I stuck with the Brooks Ghost um, for my first three marathons. And then after June this year, the morning of my June marathon, I lost a toenail. The whole entire toenail came off. I mean, it didn't even hurt. It was wow. bad, you know, from <laughs> from all of the pressure from <laughs> rubbing, you know, on the shoe. And I don't know if I blame the shoe necessarily. I think maybe, I, I don't know. But I just thought, you know, this is enough. After the race, I thought this is an opportunity for me to explore other options out there. Um, so my neighbor who owns a running store asked me to come in, and we tried 
uh, different shoes. And he said, you know, there's this Hoka One Rincon um, that uses a mesh overlay at the top instead of the traditional fabric they use on shoes. So it allows your feet to spread out without the um, pressure, right, um, coming back on your feet. And ever since I started running in the uh, Rincon specifically, because they have other Hoka One brand shoes that don't have that mesh overlay, Right, so I wouldn't say that all of the Hoka ones would give you that feeling. So that specific um, Rincon um, uh, version of the Hoka one running shoe is what I've been running with, and I ran with it in New York, and I have all my toes and <laughs> my feet didn't hurt. So, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So you suggest go to a, a running store. They'll fit you. They'll give you the right shoes. You can try them out. Yes. And I think I heard that you can actually take them back if they don't work. That's right. Most running store, running shoe stores, the actual stores actually say they are a running uh, store, not, you know, Macy's or Nordstrom. We're talking about Fleet Feet and those guys, right? You walk in there and you they feed you. They will tell you to take it out for a spin, and if it doesn't feel right, bring it back. And more times than not, they would either switch it, switch it out, no problems, or just give you your money back. So excellent, I always recommend just going to a running store. That way, they don't feel like they're pressured into the shoe that they walk out with. I love it. Great. We are chatting with Olu about marathon running, and you can do it too. Okay, so let's get into, let's switch gears a little bit, because I want to talk about um, Anaden Gives. Okay, you've been very open, and you're Nigerian. A lot of people hide this kind of stuff, but I really admire that you're so open with your fertility challenges. Can you talk about Anaden Gives and how this has impacted your life and running? Um, well, so Annetting Gives is a nonprofit um, foundation that I started in uh, November. Actually, it's exactly a year now that Annetting Gives was founded. And this was um, founded because I had started my own business, and it had my that was a consultant business, and it, it had done a lot better than I had anticipated. And for me, I felt it was an opportunity for an editing consultant to give back, right? Um, and what better way than to do it in a way that I felt was I directly impacted my life, right? Um, so um, I have uh, blocked fallopian tubes, which resulted from the scar tissues that developed from the myomectomy surgeries that I have had over the years to remove the fibroids that kept recurring, right, that kept growing back in my uterus. And um, I was fortunate enough to have health insurance that covered my IV, most of my IVF treatments, um, uh, which I had to go through twice in order to conceive my daughter. Um, so I have I I just felt that it was fundamentally unfair that women or families that had dreams to have children, you know, were limited by how big their wallets you know, where, right, how much money they had in their bank, bank account. Um, uh, and so we literally just, um, we find families through a grant application process, and we um, award a grant, and the money goes directly to the fertility clinic that we have partnered with um, 
to help support those families. That's what we do. And it's been one of the um, most rewarding things that I've done in my life. And it actually made all of the um, the struggles that I've been through finally make sense, right? You know, when you go through a lot of things, you you actually don't know why, and then you settle with God and say, you know what, I don't know why you let this happen to me, but okay, you do you. <laughs> you know, it was finally, after I found I found the, the netting gears that it finally made sense that I would never be able to relate with these families, even if I was passionate, you know, I would never be able to fully relate, right, with the families if I hadn't gone through my journey, right, and if I hadn't had a failed IVF. Well, I, I didn't I, I didn't have a failed IVF cycle in the sense that my IVF cycles were successful, but, my, but I had a miscarriage, right, after the first one, which can happen to anyone. Having a miscarriage as well, on top of having that struggle, I felt was too much, you know, and in fact, I I wondered why I had to go through that again. But now it all kind of makes sense, you know, to me. Like sometimes we go through these things, and it's it's meant to build us up to the point that we can also um, impact the world in a in a positive way. I love that. I love that. And now yeah. you are pregnant, yay! And you ran yeah. New York City Marathon <laughs> pregnant. Where's my plot? Yes. You ran it pregnant, 26.2 <laughs> miles. Yay. <laughs> okay, so. So I so I didn't, I didn't plan to run pregnant. Um, I just want to put that out there. Um, I, I planned to go through my next IVF cycle after New York, but I got pregnant in the middle of training, and I had to make a decision whether to keep training and run in New York or drop out of, you know, my plans to run in New York. And I chose to keep training because my doctor said I was fine. My husband was very supportive of my plans to continue. And I'm glad I didn't um, drop out because I, I really feel like finishing New York has changed me fundamentally in a way that um, I needed you know, uh, during this time of my life because getting pregnant naturally was something I never imagined would happen to me. And uh, my my first um, tendency was to do what most Nigerian people would tell you to do, which is, oh, my God, now this miracle happened to you. All you need to do now is sit in bed, put your feet up, and do nothing, right? Out of fear that this wonderful thing would be broken by you somehow, right? Um, but instead right. of sitting in that fear, right, what I did was I decided, you know what, I'm scared. You know, I'm scared, but, you know, the facts are in front of me, and I have doctors, and I'm going to focus on the facts. And while being scared, I will continue to get up in the morning and do what I believe is good for me and the baby. And the baby, That's and you continue to run. Yes, and you continue to run. I ran this morning, even now. Wow! Yeah. How, how I many ran, I jogged this morning. morning. So this was my first run after the marathon. So I did a three-mile jog, and it felt great. You know, um, I had new shoes. I've learned actually from my other marathons that after the marathon, it's nice to have newer shoes because somehow the marathon that kind of breaks the shoe. And so I had new shoes waiting for me, so I was excited to put it on anyway. So it felt great. 
Yeah, so a lot of people I say just switch your shoes days. after the marathon. Switch your shoes. I mean, at least for me. And I'm sure people reuse their shoes, you know, a lot of times. But I, I switch shoes because my feet feel great when I'm in newer shoes after a marathon. And I just want to say this again because I know that it's, a lot of people know this, but um, it's hard to practice. But you don't you, when you're trying to do something big, right, that is going to change your life, if you try to wait for a time where you feel you're super comfortable, you're no longer scared, or somehow everything has fallen into place, uh, you know, that time may never come, right? And so I always tell people, you need to start getting comfortable with being a little scared. You know, because in life you're always going to be slightly scared of something if you're reaching for something bigger than where you're at right now, right? If you're doing something that is within your comfort zone, chances are you're not going to be scared. If you're doing something that is way outside your comfort zone and you're not and and you're scared, that's okay. Accept that and then move forward, right? And you know, I'm a Christian, and a lot of times I'll just tell God, look. My faith is not quite there, and I'm just kind of full disclosure right now. I'm still scared, <laughs> but I'm going to do this, right? And so right. I think folks need to, they need to realize that a lot of people that, um, a lot of women you see out there that are doing crazy big things, don't assume that they're not scared. Don't assume they don't have moments of, you know, doubt, Right. Um, and so if you're somewhere and you're thinking of doing something and you're wondering, oh, can I do this? It's very natural to be scared and still move forward, right? The key is to not allow your fear forward. to paralyze you. Still move forward. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, yeah. so we're chatting with Ola. We have about eight minutes left, and I know my listeners want to get to the, some questions. So, Olu, tell us about the day of your race like what did you wear how did you wear your hair did you have a backpack when you ran your when you run your marathons all right so I figured out with the hair thing right that cornrows work for me keeps my hair out of the back you know I don't have a lot going on and it's light it's not heavy right so that's what I always do I usually get that hair done at least a week before the race so it's not tight um in terms of what to wear, you always have to run in your race gear before race day because what you don't want is to put something on on race day that doesn't fit right and maybe will rub against your skin the wrong way and cause you to chafe, which is when your skin peels off because something has created friction on your skin. Um, for me, I don't run in the summer. I learn my lessons because I get too hot and dehydrated, so I avoid the summer races. June in Seattle is really not hot, so that's why I still run the Seattle Rock and Roll. It's usually in the 60s here in June. Um, so I wear long pants, right, the, the nice tight pants. And I almost always wear Nike um, uh, pants because the fabric is really good. The running tights are very good. I would say invest in good running tights because your butt, your skin would thank you for it, right? Um I always run in sleeveless um, gear, even if it's going to be cold out, because I can start with a um, jacket on or other layers, but trust me, it always gets warm. And what you don't want to be stuck with is, you know, a race outfit that is too warm for you, right, especially at the top. 
And so um, I always run in sleeveless, and I may layer it up so that I can, you know, peel stuff off during the race. And then for me, I run with a water pack um, when I run. I started doing that this year because I felt more comfortable knowing that I could control my water intake during the race. Um, And I did it for Paris because I wasn't too sure if the marathon course would have enough water for me. And I had trained with my running pack, and I didn't want to do anything new on race day. So a lot of runners don't run with a a water pack. Uh, I think you just have to do what um, works for you. And if you're not going to run with a water pack, and the race course doesn't have water as frequently as you drank during training, it might be a problem for you. So that's just something uh, to consider. So, so oh, no, that's one more thing. I, I, there's one more thing I always, always do. I always run with a visor and shades because the last thing you want is to have sweat, you know, um, and salt get into your eyes and the sun hitting your eyes and your face when you're running. Right, it can get very uncomfortable right. out there for hours. So get a nice That's pair of visors, which I, you know, a pair of shades, and the visors will keep the sweat um, off your face. Wow, I love this. Okay, we have a few minutes yeah. left. Food. What? Okay. Do, tell us about race day. What do you eat when you race? What do you drink? Bathrooms? Can you tell us? Okay, so when I wake up. I try to have toast and peanut butter. That's what I do. And also when I train for a long run. Um, during the race, I, <laughs> I recently discovered Almond Joy candy. It's basically a coconut chocolate candy. And I eat um, half of it, you know, like the regular size. They have two pieces in a pack. I eat half of it every four to five miles. Now, most of my races, I, oh, and in the water that I carry, I put uh, known tablets, caffeine-free known tablets, which are electrolyte tablets, which help to re- replace the salt you're losing while you're running, right? And it will help uh, prevent cramping um, uh, during the race. Uh, now, <laughs> um, during New York, I plan to stop to pee four times. Normally, I don't uh during a marathon. I don't have to if I empty my bladder right before uh, the race. In Paris, I ended up peeing once at 11 miles because I didn't empty my bladder before starting the race. Um, so, But because I was pregnant during the New York marathon and I had the pressure right on my bladder, I planned to stop right. just to make myself comfortable. And it, it I mean, it, it, I, there was no way I wasn't going to stop anyway. <laughs> if you've been pregnant, you know how it is. If you got to go, you yeah. got to go. So, um, so I went four go. times, and it helped to keep me comfortable. Wow, excellent. Oh, my God, Olu, we're out of time. I just want to quickly talk about the majors because tell people what are the yeah. majors and are you planning on doing them, and have, how many have you done so far? So New York is one of the six. Abbott World Marathon Majors. Um, the others are Berlin, Boston, Chicago, London, and Tokyo. Um, I didn't think I would do the majors. You know, like I said, my running life has just been kind of accidental in a way, except my training. My training is not accidental. But um, I I think I will do the six majors now. After this baby is born, um, yeah, we'll see the next one in line that I can get into and and run. 
Wow. Is there any tip, any tip, one or two tips that you can share with whether you're a beginner or you're a runner that kind of you, mm-hmm. you wish you had known before you started running or something that you right. just want to share? Okay. So there's so many tips, right? Um, but I will put them up into buckets, right? Um, the first thing is I would say um, tools, right? I'll just call them tools. And those are the shoes you're wearing. Um, while you can just pick a pair of shoes for, like, the average, the short run, if you really want to be serious about running and you don't want to injure yourself, you have to get proper running shoes, right? Get a running app. There are lots of free running apps right out there. It helps you track your run and helps you stay focused. Um, and then find um, a, a tribe or a group of people sort of as part of their resources that will keep you going. You can join a running group online. We're part of this, you know, uh, running group as well, and that keeps you motivated, right? The second bucket is um, consistency. And consistency in the sense that you pick your running day, right? If you're going to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whenever it is, Saturday, whatever it is that works for your schedule, do that and stick with it because it's consistency that makes you better as a runner. If you run today and then you don't run next month, you're not going to get better, right? So you have to be consistent. And you have to be consistent not just with running, but consistent with resting, stretching, you know, sweeping. (laughs) Sweeping is part of training, right? You can't run on empty. You can't do life on empty. A lot of mothers do life on empty, right? You can't do that. Um, And then the third uh, um, bucket, I would say, is um, don't push yourself too quickly. You know, try to do everything gradually, right? So if you're trying to get to a goal, don't, don't follow someone else's running life, right? Follow your own pace and uh, build your stamina uh, comfortably, right? Once you're comfortable doing 5K, then maybe try to run it faster. But don't try to run it fast in the first goal, right, if I'm, if I'm making sense. Um, so that's, yeah. that's what I would put out there. Yes. Yay! Oh, Lou, this has been amazing. <laughs> we have to have you back for part two because there's so much to talk about. But thank you so much. Um, we chatted with Olu, and we're so excited. Congratulations on completing all your marathons, and we will definitely have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.